0: Welcome to Middle Movers, a podcast for entry and mid-level marketers who want to learn from people on the same rung of the ladder. I'm your host, Khadija, and I'm a growth marketer at Manchester-based Six Flow. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode one of Middle Movers. I'm your host, Khadija, from and Flow, Manchester based marketing agency. And I have our first guest of the hour, the woman of the hour.
1: <laughs> my friend. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Khadija. This is so exciting.
0: Yes. Um, so this is Jude, everyone. Jude and I met about a year ago, a couple of jobs back, and we were on the marketing team together. And now yeah. here we are on the oh. podcast, coming full circle. I feel it's a
1: circle. Um, one whole pandemic later, here we are. Uh,
0: <laughs> if only we could say it was later because we're both in lockdown right now.
1: Yeah. It's so, very, yeah. in. The, we're very with the times right now. It's, um, we are in lockdown. It'll be interesting to listen to this back a couple of months from now, but, um, i uh, very excited to talk marketing with you um, and just speak to you in general because I love our conversations. are always so great. Um, thank you for, for having me as your inaugural guest on this podcast.
0: My pleasure. So mm-hmm. just to break the ice for the folks listening, and everyone loves a good icebreaker, do you want yeah. to give us three fun facts about yourself, if you have any? Which it's I so know you do.
1: <laughs> this question gives me so much more anxiety than it should, but... Um, I guess three fun facts about me are that I was born in Jordan, um, which is a small country in the Middle East bordering the Dead Sea. Um, I, although I did grow up in Saudi Arabia, which was really interesting, I I, I moved to Canada for high school. Um, but while I lived there, when I was in grade eight, my teacher picked me and I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but my teacher picked me and two of my classmates to be on a trivia game show that exclusively aired on a Saudi Arabian local TV channel. (laughs) And we won. So um, that is my sole claim to fame. I'm very proud of it. Don't laugh at me. Oh my god,
0: you have never told me that. You told me about some of your childhood moments, but not that one.
1: I was saving it for this day specifically.
0: So is there footage somewhere like on YouTube or anything? It's so
1: funny because one of my, I I told my colleagues this story early on when I first met him and he mentioned it at a recent marketing team meeting and people started Googling me and I was, this was a local Saudi Arabian television show like millions of years ago. So you would likely not find this anywhere. Um, No one has seen success. I don't recommend you try it. But it was really fun. I I had a great time.
0: (laughs) Yes, I will be Googling it after we finish recording this because I will find it. Oh, my gosh. I dread it. But I, yeah, it was great. Nice. Was that three facts? I guess. That
1: was. I just, I, yeah, that was three facts. The the Jordan thing, Saudi Arabia, and then the trivia game show.
0: (laughs) It all tied in so nicely as one cohesive thought. So I just had to make sure marketing and
1: storytelling go
0: hand in hand. So, so
1: here we are. We're in the big
0: (laughs) leagues. Amazing. Amazing. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing currently?
1: Yeah. Um, so I currently manage the paid inbound marketing funnel at a fintech company called Clearbank. Uh, Super, super fun, dynamic work. Um, What we do is we provide marketing and inventory capital for um, companies across a myriad of verticals without taking any equity or personal collateral from the founders that we work with. So it's a really cool product, an innovative, fast-paced company, um, and I work on a team with wicked smart people um and it's awesome because every day is a different challenge it keeps me on my toes and um I love working there it's awesome
0: nice we didn't pay her to say that guys she really does love her job <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Uh, yeah and you've been there how has it been six months already I can't even remember I
1: think we're, like we're yeah we're coming to six months it's it's gone by super fast um wow that's, I think that's the name of the game with marketing. Every single marketing job I've had has always felt that it, I'd always felt that I had been at the company much longer than what the actual (laughs) timestamp was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's almost six months now. That's crazy. it's, It's so interesting. It's crazy. And, and, I was thinking about this the other day, but I had my entire onboarding experience at the company had been through the pandemic. So it was, everything is online. And right. it's crazy to think how even working styles have changed in such a short period of time. So
0: it's, it's true. just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. I would agree too. Like I feel like any marketing role has felt longer than, it actually was because I feel like there's short-term things that you're working on maybe they're you know due that week but then there's also like the larger projects that you're probably collaborating on that's like a month or two or three so like if that's like something that you're kind of zoning in on I find that the time goes faster because like you're just used to focusing on that and like getting to the outcome phase of it so I think that's at least for me that's why I feel like it always feels like so much longer than it actually is but because the impact is both short and long-term, perhaps. That's my hypothesis.
1: I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think people tend to overuse the word fast-paced role and dynamic yes. and, 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 I don't know, words like that in, in job descriptions. I feel yes. like for marketing specifically, though, it definitely applies regardless of what capacity in marketing that you work in sure. because at the end of the day, when you think about it, Your sole job as a marketer is to speak to, you You kind of mold what you're saying and what you're, the projects that you're working on based on human behavior. And we all know that in the digital space, especially that is so, um, it is dynamic. It's ever changing, right? So you always have to um, reorient yourself to what's going on. So it it projects, it's typical for us to have short-term projects um, that are layered onto what we consider like day-to-day activity so the days go by fast it's awesome it's great
0: it's true (laughs) it's very true speaking of things that people overuse like fast paced (laughs) it's true and it's like it's always like a fast paced startup but it's like implicit that a startup would be fast paced well maybe not but I feel like once you've worked in a startup like you kind of expect that so it seems redundant that it could be in a job posting but like every role can't be fast paced I feel Especially, like, if there's several different departments, you know, and, like, it's kind of at the point where there are different departments. But if it's, like, micro-seed, then for sure you expect that and, like, maybe should warn people. Um, But what other things do you think are overused? (laughs) We were obviously talking about this before, but, like, just, like, (laughs) words that you think are overused in marketing or, like, if you have one that makes you really cringe, please share with everybody because there's so many. (laughs)
1: We worked on this earlier, and I think what I said is true that almost everything these days I feel like is a buzzword. Yes. In in some ways, I I, I don't know, like optimize and and like, I don't know, value add and all sorts of buzzwords like that. But my least favorite one, I guess, in the last year has been growth hacking. I take the use of that word outside of, of course, Literal growth engineering. When you're a lot of the times, people just use growth hack to describe a simple optimization that they're doing, even a complex one and one that's super respectable. But Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's just very overindulgent. Um, A new one that I'm hearing a lot more in recent months is using ABM strategy for. What is literally just targeting a custom audience? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love the use of ABM. I think it's amazing, and it's a total like, it's it's a totally valid strategy to use in more of a B two B environment. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, it, it it just is a bit of an eye twitch kind of situation.
0: <laughs> I feel like I haven't heard the ABM one as much, thankfully. But I'm sorry that you have to hear it more often than you'd like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not yeah it's it's only been a couple of times but it's I, it makes sense though because more and more people are talking about abm and and the benefits of using that kind of strategy and there are so many guides and hacky blogs out there talking about how to use abm so mm-hmm. i see it becoming let's say that that's my prediction for 2021 maybe that'll be the buzzword of beer <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: do you think that like on that note of abm do you think that more folks or more organizations rather will kind of start moving towards, you know, putting out ABM strategies in marketing if they aren't already? Or do you think it's kind of like a trendy thing right now that kind of would fade away?
1: I so maybe there I'm in two minds about it because what I've been reading about is this idea of companies, specifically sales sales-oriented companies, moving towards more of a product-driven approach mm-hmm. as opposed to Making everything about um, the sales type bottom line and, and the funnel and what's in the pipe. Um, uh, <laughs> what's <laughs> in words. the pipe?
0: Another <laughs> classic planted
1: that seed. I feel like I'm just going to be thinking about every single word I move. I I mentioned moving forward, but um. So so there is that side of things, but I feel mm-hmm. like for, and actually now that I say it out loud, I think maybe those two forces can come hand in hand. I feel like the great thing about ABM is that it's efficient because it involves that type of cross team and cross channel um, collaboration that is key whenever you're working in a digital environment. In my opinion, that's kind of what I've seen on the ground myself. For sure. So um, yeah, I I, I do expect it, it was a big thing in 2020. And I do expect that it'll at least continue on that trend in 2021. We'll see if it grows, but um, yeah, I think it it makes a lot of sense for it too.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Like I remember when I was back at Vidyard, like that was one of the areas that we were definitely big on talking about from like entry-level sales, like all the way through the company, just really thinking about ABM and how to frame it and position it. And that was a couple of years now ago now. And I was very new to it at the time, just like entering MarTech and tech in general. But now I've just seen such a progression towards folks really trying to position towards it. And I don't know if it's like a result of the pandemic that we're all currently living in, that maybe yeah. there's like new ideas that are surfacing about it. But I do think that there is opportunity for it to grow and to evolve in terms of like what it could mean for businesses In both the B2B and B2C space. But TBD as to what that looks like.
1: (laughs) TBD, who knows how that'll um, that'll end up. But uh, honestly, I can just get behind anything that removes silos. I mean, Mm -hmm. anything that'll knock down the wall between sales working on its own thing and marketing doing its own thing, um, I I think will be a success for everybody.
0: No, I definitely agree with that too. Look at us agreeing on everything. <laughs> yeah, we're
1: so we're so in sync. The synergy. I oh is... <laughs> ooh,
0: I was gonna say I was like thinking about it. I'm like, I think that's my least favorite term, but like in general. I don't even think it's just like a marketing term that I dislike. I just think synergy it just sounds
1: there are know. strong there there is a strong argument for synergy. To be used exclusively in a scientific environment.
0: <laughs> yes. That's also like the word curate. Like everybody uses that word or overuses it when it's like f- for very specific contexts, like museums, for yeah. example. Like you don't need to curate a playlist or curate your Instagram feed. It's not <laughs> the same thing. But maybe we can do a follow up episode on misuse of words because my, my list is long, I feel.
1: I, I would be very interested in hearing your list. It it sounds very well, well-researched, well-curated.
0: No! <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> That's awesome. Man. So, you know, we're both, like, obviously in the middle. You know, we're still, like, fairly early in our careers, but we've already had a few marketing jobs, like, under our belt, which is kind of cool to be in our mid-20s and that and, we can say that. But in general, like, what made you want to pursue marketing as a career path?
1: Um, it's, it's funny because it was a complete accident.
0: Um, I had no idea I'd
1: end up in marketing. Uh, if you knew me in my university days, you would likely remember me yapping on about how I wanted to work in, uh, communications for the UN. I had a very specific goal <laughs> since high school and I talked about it all the time, Yeah. Um, And it's funny because I, I, so I, yeah, it, I had a very specific idea of what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for one of the UN agencies, preferably UNICEF or the UNHCR, because I'm from the Middle East and I felt like they were the ones that had the biggest impact there.
0: And,
1: um, I was lucky actually because I talked about it so much. I had an incredible, um, I had an incredible boss slash mentor when I was at my university job and he was like, hey, I think you should meet this person. And and I went for coffee with them and it just opened up the door for me to actually work there. So I ended up working in a role that I had been talking about since my high school days. And I think I started to look beyond the idea. Initially, my plan was to just go into commerce, get that BCom degree, have a good safety net, and then go to a law school afterwards, and then work for the International Court of Justice. Like I had a very specific plan. Oh my goodness! Uh, And along that, it's just, it's just, and I don't know. I think when I was in that role, when I was finally at the place where I thought. I mean, I, I, thought I, kind of, I thought that that was the be-all end-all for me. And I think the exciting thing about that is that it just shows that I i made this plan when I was in high school before I even know knew what a communications role would be like or what yeah. working at a UN agency would be like and what really went into marketing. And it wasn't until I actually worked in that environment that I found other things that I started to fall in love with mm-hmm. about the space. I loved the analytics side of things. I loved being able to... Connect everything that I was seeing in what looked like a boring spreadsheet to actual human behavior on the ground, changes over time, and yeah, I just it, it, it just went from there. I and I ended up in the startup space specifically, and I think that it's actually where I belong when it comes to working style because I really craved a kind of environment where you could just be a part of building something from the ground up. Um, If you were interested in something, it was more about less about the idea that you had and who had to really approve it. And more of if you wanted to do something, how you executed on that plan. And I think that taught me a lot of skills outside of just work related skills. I, it, it just, it's just a lot of tangible growth that you see when you work in that kind of space. And that's what drew me to it. And that's what I'm addicted to. But when I was even when I was in university and studying marketing from a textbook, I did not think that down the line I would be worried about anything like targets and conversion rates and, and looking at ROI from a, a very micro level. I had no idea it had anything to do with that. And I feel like a lot of the, the preconceptions that you have about a particular particular role come from, and all of the myths debunked come from actually doing as opposed to reading and and learning about things from a book um so yeah I think it turned out well
0: (laughs) yes I would say so (laughs) I knew that you like had spent some time working at the UN like our old manager that was like her intro to you is like oh she like worked at the UN and I was like oh we're gonna be talking about politics a lot in the office probably or like if we go for coffee or something
1: I heard in politics I fully thought that that's what I'd be working in I thought that I Yeah, I, I fully had international development in mind when I stepped foot into my first class for my VCOM degree. Um, and I will say I was pretty annoying about it. I think I, I always, like, joined discussions in some of those classes where you, you got points for participation, and I would take everything. I would really milk that political science angle. I minored in poli-sci. <laughs> um, good oh, times. Man. I can just see you um, now
0: with, like, your hand up as much as possible
1: it yeah no it was it was almost problematic but it didn't quite get there <laughs> i reeled it in
0: <laughs> that's awesome that's so cool. you what did you get into
1: marketing Khadija.
0: me it was kind of an accident as well um but only i would say it's like a half accident so basically mm-hmm. i also thought that i was going to go on to become a lawyer i wasn't sure what type i wanted to be but i wanted to go into law because i really liked reading and i knew that i'd have to be reading all the time oh yeah that's what i
1: hear about law school
0: <laughs> yeah so i was like this is perfect and then also just like the idea of like being able to develop my public speaking skills while applying what i had learned through my reading i was like this makes sense as a career path and sometimes i got to admit i still do think about it but i feel like as much as people want to have work-life balance as a lawyer like I feel like it doesn't happen just from like folks I've met that I've like or gone to school with that I've gone on to become lawyers or like even family members and stuff like I feel like that part is never there and that's something that as I've gotten older has become more important to me so yeah. that's like a reason I don't think I would ever think to go back like you know people go back to school for things later in life um, but I do think it's a very noble profession and has like a ton of variety But when it comes to marketing, like when I was in school studying English, so for those who don't know, studied English um, at the undergrad and master's level. So really enjoyed it. Again, lots of reading, but also lots of writing. Um, And I realized that I love reading probably the most, but I think being someone that's enthused about reading is what lends to be someone being a good writer as well. And then... Like, basically, there was kind of this myth, like, at the school I went to, like, when I was in uni, um, that, like, English majors, you either go on to, like, become a professor, and if you don't go into academia, you, like, basically, you're doomed to become a barista. And I was Mm -hmm. like, we need them Um, as well, but that's not what I see myself doing. So, inevitably, start doing the research as to, you know, what I could do with my degree, which turns out anything, which makes it hard to narrow. Um, But I was like, let me do something that has to do with writing. Um and I actually before like I ended up in tech and in marketing I was working as um someone in publishing actually as like a sales rep. I don't know if I ever told you that, but yeah, I was like a, a You sales never rep. told me that. Yeah. So I did the thing, like tried the publishing thing because that's also another popular route that people take and I knew it wasn't for me, but I did like the parts where I got to write things. So yeah. I ended up pivoting towards tech. Ended up in a sales role still, but then got to write when I was in that role and was in a marketing tech company, so got exposed to the marketing side of things. And then once I was asked if I was interested to come over to the marketing team, I really fell in love with marketing overall because I got to play with all the different departments and learn a little bit of what everyone was doing, but really <laughs> loved the content marketing piece of it. And I still think that like in the role now, it's like definitely more well-rounded in terms of, like, touching different parts of marketing, but content marketing is definitely my first love. So I think my honing of my re- reading and writing skills from an early age and, like, all the way through stuck with it and, like, pivoted me towards marketing. What's made me want to stay in marketing, though? I yeah, I'm curious like, about that. That's the real thing. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, the opportunity to have so much variety and, like, you – there's no – I don't think there's really a chance to plateau because there's so many things that come up all the time, new terminology, new concepts, new ways of presenting information and ideas. So I love like my brain is always being trained, but it's also very creative.
1: It keeps you on your toes for sure. And it's, I think it's crazy where we live and work in this field at a very interesting time because it feels like it's evolving while we're in it and see you can see so many changes I mean it's this is also such a cliche but talking about how half the jobs that are that exist right now didn't exist like 10 years ago and it's mind-boggling but I think that's part of the allure and that's why marketers in general are tend to be in it for the long haul and a lot of the things that you're doing are I and another buzzword I guess is thinking (laughs) about customer first like customer first mentality, um, and yeah. marketing at its very core is one for one tied for the customer that you're speaking to through the communications, right. through the channels that you're reaching people through, through um, the the kind of branding that you're putting out there is a first touch with, with the person that you're speaking to. So so it will constantly be tied to that, which means that if that becomes a trend through product or through engineering, through um, all sorts of different verticals within a company, mm-hmm. um, it obviously is applicable ac- across a myriad of different avenues. And so it kind of is a choose-your-own-adventure. Who knows? We're starting in marketing now, but yeah. in the future, what's that going to evolve to look like? It could be a completely different team. It it just is – It's it's exciting. I like not knowing.
0: <laughs> Which I'm surprised <laughs> to hear you say because you and I are both – the type that are planners which also i'm yeah. like why are we in marketing because you can only plan so much and you always yeah. have to brace yourself for the outcome not being what you expect but yeah. that's, uh, at the same time yeah it keeps you on your toes it keeps things fun and we're just yeah. we're just
1: secret adrenaline junkies i think that <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just what it is um you can't you can't be in marketing without expect without at least leaving some room to know that you don't know everything, and I think I like that. It's humbling because for sure it is. Yeah, there's no one knows com- like the entire story, and it means you have to figure it out.
0: Yeah, every time, and it's nice that it seems like we're both now in roles where we have the runway to like try things, you know, see if it works, see if it doesn't. And folks are okay with like giving us that opportunity to learn on our own, right? So, I think that's an another pro to going into marketing for those who might be listening and thinking about taking this as a career path like there is the opportunity to really test things and present your ideas and if they don't work like at least you learn from that and then either don't implement or you re-implement in a different way depending Yeah. so
1: yeah it's part of the process the it's and it's part of the allure right the idea of of testing things and Mm -hmm. um taking risks i feel like that's key to successful marketing these days both from a creative angle when you're thinking about advertising i work in more of an advertising capacity and that's the balance that you try to strike every time um you put something out there into the universe
0: for sure (laughs) i know that you're like a very creative person but i also know that you really enjoy the numbers side of marketing Um, how do you think um like that works together like do you think that you've just kind of push yourself to be someone that likes both sides of marketing in terms of like the hard data and the creative side, or do you feel like you've always kind of had that hybrid approach to it?
1: I feel like I've always had that hybrid approach to it. Um, It's easy. I feel because the creative side of things is, is accessible to a lot of people and and let's put this in the context of ads, just because it's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the thing that I deal with every day. Um, but it's easy for you to look at an ad and say as a consumer it's that's another thing when you're working in advertising you're both the consumer and the person behind the scenes pulling the strings and mm-hmm. um it, that is an interesting dichotomy you could say um and and i feel that there is it's it's very interesting because we've both worked in a strict kind of b2b enterprise environment yeah in environment and for me right now in my current role it's kind of an interesting gray area between the two Mm -hmm. um and the the consensus when you're working in a b2b environment is to stick to stick to your guns from a ad creative standpoint um, demo videos, ring supreme, um, <laughs> product yes. imagery, uh, sticking to how-tos on how to use your product and speaking to people in more of a professional tone and taking risks, but calculated risks within, a specific, um, within specific parameters. Whereas when you're working in a D2C environment, especially when you're working with big ad agencies, you want to push the envelope and you want to think up new ideas to present creative, but then you also want to balance the number side of things, which is like, what is the ROI of this initiative? If I put this ad out there, are people going to see it? Is it going to go viral? Okay. But what does that mean? Um, And I think in recent work that we're doing at ClearBank, I've I've noticed that you actually don't have to pick between the two. Um, You can have compelling creative that people relate to that is based on learnings that you've developed from the ads that you've run before that will still give you the numbers that you need. And I think that's kind of why I've found that I found my niche here in marketing. Um, It is the perfect, it is the exact balance between creativity and the numbers that are less glamorous than obviously ad creative that people see as the output. Um, But really knowing that the numbers and a solid foundation of how you've set up campaigns and your targeting strategy and mm-hmm. um, all of the different data points that have informed what the ad in front of you look like, that I think gives me the most energy because it's still creative, but it's still rooted in in reality in terms of the numbers that it's generating.
0: Ooh. That's big. <laughs> 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 That's big. That wasn't like, a pre-prompted question or anything you I feel like you had you have been thinking about this and like I don't know I feel like you probably actually think about your job in all of its parts which can be so hard when there's so much variety so that was that was interesting to hear for sure
1: I the reason why I said that was because my brain went to um an interesting new thing that I never thought I would be doing because Mm -hmm. I always for some reason when I thought about marketing I constrained it to thinking about managing a single geography at one point right now we're we recently launched in the UK which is funny small world small world um yes (laughs) we recently launched in the UK and so it's so interesting to think how you have to think on your toes both in the day-to-day as well like outside of the scope of just challenges and and um speed bumps that just come crashing in that are outside of your control like the day-to-day sometimes requires you to just reorient yourself to um a different geography consumer product range um yeah and just working with different people um so it's fun I like it
0: yeah it's all ever evolving for sure which is so good yeah like Like, I think it'll keep us young in the end which will be nice. Yeah.
1: I take it we like marketing, Khadija. I think that is the TLDR here. Yeah. There's a whole
0: <laughs> podcast. Can't can't believe it. It is dedicated <laughs> to our love for our craft
1: and I and I dig it. Yeah. I'm all for it.
0: Oh, me too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um kind of like looking back, I guess, over the last year or so, I feel like a lot of companies are currently in the process of you know, looking at things in retrospect for 2020, which was a crazy year, as we've all said and heard many, many times. But it really was unlike anything that we've lived through previously. And then also, as we've talked about marketing having to evolve and, you know, us as marketers having to adapt to those evolutions. Um, What do you think was done well in 2020 for marketing? Like, even if it was just like one company or like, you know, one sort of ca- campaign that you thought was different, and mm-hmm. also, what did you find was overdone, if anything, in marketing? Oh, start with the positive first.
1: Okay. Um, I think the speed with which companies kind of pivoted their messaging and meant it, and it was authentic, was at the beginning of quarantine when the entire world started to uh, go into lockdown. Um, I think I would say towards the end of March, beginning of April, where. Um, everyone didn't know where things were going and so many companies were genuinely offering their services for free for a limited time for people to just make life easier for them. Yeah, um, I think that both from a social perspective um, and a just uh, economic perspective, I think that was a really good idea for a lot of companies. Um,
0: for sure. I'll
1: put that out there. Um, but then the other side of that coin is... After a while, um, I think there was a lot of copy that I saw out there that focused around the idea of companies being saviors to people um, during like this trying time. And I won't call out specific campaigns because I actually can't think of specific ones off the top of my head. There but were so many. <laughs> either It's very prevalent. Um, it's very prevalent. And it's like, we're here to help you in these trying times. It's in a lot of sales emails. It's in the um, we're over it. Um, email copy LinkedIn posts that people write Um, but it sometimes comes out in ads and um, I'm not gonna lie obviously I was guilty of this at the beginning of the pandemic as well Um, no such copy exists now for for, um, anything that we run but I know authenticity is something that people kind of wave around a lot but I think beyond authenticity, really letting your product shine, if it is going to help people, that is really the key. Mm -hmm. Um, Focusing on what the benefits of your product are in the same way that you would in any other environment outweighs you talking about it so much. So it's more of a walk the walk type thing as opposed to talk the talk when you just say um, we want to protect you by using this like paid here, use this product, and it'll save you from everything that is Um, (laughs) COVID-related.
0: For sure. The one-stop shop. Anything
1: that is a (laughs) mask. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I think for me, like, it's mostly the same as well. I do think those who are proactive in either messaging around, like, you know, offering their product or service at, like, a free or quite reduced rate, I think that the people who did it early, I think it was genuine because – we were all so unsure of things and like no one could really assume the risks of what doing something like that could result in for their business. So I do mm-hmm. think people who did that really did have their hearts in the right place. And also, I think companies that like kind of put out more messaging around um, like employee wellness and just like, you know, different ways to kind of spark that prioritization of that, because again, everyone having to adjust to working from home and having different home situations, like maybe looking after kids or caring for an elderly relative um, and just like, you know, encouraging employers to give more grace to their employees. I thought that messaging was really positive to see at the beginning. But Mm -hmm. then later on, I think, yeah, seeing all of that messaging about like trying times and then like, even if it was like the most Random product somehow it's gonna help you in these unprecedented times and I was like if I have to see or hear this phrase one more time when it Actually makes no sense. Like I don't I don't know what to do really Um, Because I think at that point everyone was beyond tired of it and I feel like it felt like people were running out of ideas Which, I mean, happens to people, like, you can, you know, those moments where you don't really know what to write. But I feel like when you're, like, eight, nine months in, you shouldn't still be using that phrase, unprecedented times. Like, we should be, especially as marketers, like, doing what we always do, which is evolve and adapt. So, that for me, I'm, like, hoping to not see again this year. But I'm sure someone will come out of the woodworks with that unprecedented times. Yeah, I did in a while.
1: Um, I think, well, I'm optimistic. I feel like maybe when the clock struck midnight... And we went into technically a new year.
0: Um, (laughs) People just like took it out.
1: Um, But
0: you are optimistic. I haven't seen it yet, though. So maybe you're right. But I feel like I've needed a lot of companies. So (laughs) maybe it's just my curated feed.
1: It's your curated (laughs) mental feed of everything that you've seen. Um, uh, But yeah.
0: All right. The last thing I want to ask you just for the purpose of this podcast, because obviously I'm sure we'll have. A countless amount of conversations in the future um (laughs) but you know as your role right now like even though we talked about earlier how we don't know how our roles will look in like five ten years and I'm not asking you to be like oh where do you want to be in five years because that's completely a cliche but where are you (laughs) hoping that your career path as of right now leads you if you know that's a good question
1: and I think for me after I mean I did share the story earlier about how I actually started off my, before I even started my career, I had a, I thought I had a very clear idea of where I wanted to be and where I wanted to take my career. And I ended up somewhere else. And um, I think for the better, I ended up in a place where I, I feel like I thrive and I'm excited to go to work every day. And I think what that has done is that it's changed my perspective. I don't really see where I want to go as a specific role. Um, I just know what I want to do moving forward. I want a role that is still, I guess, driven by human behavior, um, involves numbers, um, allows me to be creative. Yeah. Um, and I think something new that I want to do a lot more is start to grow a team, build on kind of pushing... Not pushing, but like helping people forward, um, as well. So, uh, that kind, that is how I'm thinking about where I want to take my role in the future. Um, yeah. And just thinking about things holistically in terms of everything from applying the micro stuff to bigger picture strategy, um, is what gets me excited. And so I just want to be doing more of that. I will say though, I do, right now I'm at a point where I don't know if I can, I, I, I try to juggle the idea of being both an individual contributor and a, and a manager. Um, and I yep. put them side by side and I don't know if I want to give up on the like actual tangible work that I do um, every single day. But I also love the idea of that team building stuff that I, that I was talking to you about earlier. So um who knows what the future holds um it is a, it's, it's an interesting balance hopefully i can do both but that's that's where my brain is at
0: nice i think we're on a similar wave i definitely want to be able to you know be that mentor for people that are coming up in marketing and like get them excited about you know whatever marketing looks like and whatever we're doing you know in 5 years or so but yeah i really don't you know i would hate to miss out on like that day to day like getting your hands dirty if we want to call it that like just working on stuff all the time. and I do think that there probably are like opportunities for both but I feel like if you're trying to really focus on mentoring especially newer folks in marketing, like I feel like there is that giving up of the more creative side. but I feel like also at the same time if you're entering into a role like that then that's something that you've hopefully made peace with and it's mm-hmm. there's other ways to like be creative as well. Like I don't think that everything is just like in a vacuum and only happens at the office. Like I feel like most marketers, like ourselves included, like they have their one or two things that they like to do outside of work that kind of just keeps their creative juices flowing. So so it just depends where it all goes. But yeah, we'll see what the future holds. It's definitely like a double-edged sword in terms of like wanting to do both, but has to feel right at the same time
1: hundred percent. And maybe there's still ways to be creative, even in your role, but indirectly. I feel like what makes the best managers um, and leaders is open-mindedness and the ability to kind of use your platform as a way to amplify the voices of your team. So if your teammates are coming up with creative ideas, encourage them, push them to go for it. It's what I'm learning from the current team that I work on. Um, Push them forward. And then that leads to you're still part of something huge and innovative and and creative, even if you weren't the owner of the idea or you were the person that was quote unquote getting your hands dirty. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to end there.
0: Yeah. You could be like more of a coach, like assisting on the side, but still, yeah, giving your ideas and input and, and your knowledge passing that forward as well well Jude thank you so much this has been an incredible conversation at least (laughs) I think so hopefully our listeners do too um and yeah I really appreciate you coming on to christen the podcast and uh, we'll be on here with another episode in a couple of weeks folks
1: thanks so much for having me this was awesome um I feel like it was just another one of our conversations and now everyone just got to to hear
0: (laughs) yes we didn't have our own show reality show so now we're just subjecting to our podcast instead. <laughs> I I'm for I I love it. <laughs> yes,
1: me too.